Welcome to the Transformed Teacher Podcast. I'm Meredith and I'm in your corner. This podcast is designed to help you transform from overwhelmed to overjoyed. If nobody else tells you today, you rock. Unfortunately, a lot of educators or schools see SEL as an add-on to curriculum. The truth is SEL is to education as the alphabet is to reading. You can't have one without the other. You're using SEL when you create classroom agreements. You're using SEL when you set expectations um, and classroom rules. You're using SEL when you use reflection in your classroom, when you practice conflict resolution, how you interact with the student after a disagreement or even a celebratory moment. So SEL is a buzzword, or at least it seems that way. The research on SEL goes back to 93, and then we start to build the whole child. I'm a person that's just always had that heart and passion for young people and for service. SEL fits in a lot of different components, and there's many ways that you can implement as well. But I'm going to stop for a moment and see if I answered your question. If you're finding that student behavior challenges are unlike anything you've seen in all your years of teaching, you're not alone. It's not you. It's the global pandemic teaching era that we are finding ourselves in. And this episode with Trey Gamage is going to really help you understand what SEL is, social emotional learning, and why it's not just a buzzword and it's actually a tool that you can implement or continue using right now to help you not only build more positive and productive relationships with your students, but just feel a lot more fulfillment and maybe even more of a sense of control when it comes to your teaching life. So although this episode was recorded technically over a year ago, I really think that it's actually more timely than ever because I know that so many educators right now are facing so many different types of challenges. I really hope that you'll find this episode as inspiring and as invigorating and as hopeful as I did. Stay tuned because you're in for a treat. Welcome to today's podcast. I am so excited to have Trey with me today. And I don't want to mispronounce your name, Trey. I, is it Gamage or? <laughs> I've, I've heard it pronounced every way. Gamage, Gamage, Gamage. But it's like damage with a G. That's the Okay. I'm so glad I asked you instead of just saying it the wrong way. I apologize. Thank you so much for being with us today, Trey. So my, pleasure. my pleasure. It's, it's glad to talk to you again. I know we, we had you on the Dash podcast already, so I'm excited to join you as well. Yes. And I have to say immediately, I'm really excited for you and your wife about your news. Would you like to share with our viewers? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. We're, we're pregnant with our first child. He'll be here in the end of January. So um, we're pretty excited. And I, I've been telling people for years that I've been getting my practice in working at school. So we'll see if I'm ready or yeah, not. Yeah. I'm so excited for you and your wife. Um, it's definitely going to be an adventure. And hold on and strap in your seatbelt because it's going to be, <laughs> it'll be wonderful though. Best thing ever. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. We're, we're as ready as we can be. Yeah. Um, so I met Trey at the educators, well, I met him virtually <laughs> at the educators to educators summer reboot conference last, last July, last summer. 
And I really loved what Trey had to say about social and emotional learning. And I immediately messaged him and asked him to be on my podcast. And then he asked me to be on his podcast. And I was like, what? I was, I was hoping you'd be on mine. So it was such an honor to be on your podcast. And now I get to pick your brain and hear from you all about your expertise around social and emotional learning. And I just would love to know a little bit about your background and your journey yep. as an educator and how you got into all this. For sure, for sure. So I, I'm a person that's just always had that heart and passion for young people and for service. It's something that has come along in my family line as well. My, my father was a man of service. My grandfather um, was a man of service and, and entrepreneurship in various ways. So that's really how I got into education. Um, after college, long story short, I didn't get the job that I applied for and um, was faced with a couple options to move to South Carolina or near Chicago at a residential high school. And I, I came down to South Carolina at a residential high school and, and I was living with the kids that I worked with. So I had 45 high school juniors and seniors that were living on the same floor as me. Think about like a dorm director in college. And so in this experience, I got to be with all of these bright genius level students. Um, but at the same time, I realized they were lacking in some of the common sense or communication skills and traits that they needed to succeed. So we started doing small stuff. We would hold uh, music listening sessions with Kendrick Lamar so that they could get more cultural awareness and perception. We would have uh, evening check-ins to see how their day was, to celebrate successes. Just, just small things that we could do to check in and engage outside of academics. I didn't know it at the time, but as I continued doing my research, I found emotional intelligence and started coaching teachers on emotional intelligence. And, and once more, taking another step, I found out that emotional intelligence in education is called social emotional learning. So once I figured that out, I really was able to make that connection. I've just been rolling with SEL since then. And so um, going on five years in education and in about two or three um, with that SEL behavior focus. That is so awesome. I love how you got into that because um, it's always cool to see, you know, I'm sure you didn't realize that it would, that it would go in that direction at that time. <laughs> so, no. um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you define social and emotional learning, because I know that it's a buzzword and a lot of us are hearing it. Um, mm -hmm. and at the school where I teach the social worker, um, who is one of the social workers who's really wonderful. She, comes in and does a little bit of mindfulness with my middle schoolers once a week. And she kind of confided in me that buy-in for social and emotional learning can be hard. And I just was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what it is for teachers and why it's so important, especially now in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I appreciate you saying every piece of context to, to what you're saying. So you're right, SEL is a buzzword, or at least it seems that way. The research on SEL goes back to 93, is when um, CASEL, the Collaborative Academic for SEL started. And they're really the, the founder of SEL, or forefather, I should say, of SEL. And that research from SEL has, was all compiled on that site in 93, and research went back to the 70s 80s and, and so forth. Um, but from there, we've been able to move forward with SEL from the 90s 
into today where every state has um, pre-K SEL mandates and standards that they have to follow. But now we're trying to trickle up. Uh, a lot of schools are using SEL for K-5, but it's rare in middle school, it's rare in high school, and it's even more rare more rarer, more rare. In college, um, very few teachers are getting this kind of skill building of SEL. And so the way you would define it is by saying it's social, right? The social piece, how we interact, you and me. The emotional piece, understanding myself. And when I understand myself, I can get to know others as well. And then it's, it's the learning process. So I think the easiest way to explain SEL is by taking it to emotional intelligence roots. And so uh, SEL works on two loops. And, and the first one is the internal loop. That's the intrapersonal, self-awareness, self-management. How aware am I of self? Do I know what triggers me? Do I know when I'm stressed? Do I know my emotions, my, me, my moods, my feelings, my actions, my thoughts? The self-management. Okay, now that I know these things, can I be disciplined enough? Do I have the self-control? Do I have the belief that I can follow through or eliminate these, these thoughts in my mind? And then after you get that good grasp of the self-awareness and self-management, you can then move forward into the social aspects where you're looking at your relationship skills, your social awareness, responsible decision-making, excuse me, yeah, responsible decision-making. And then we start to build the whole child. So unfortunately, a lot of educators or schools see SEL as an add-on to curriculum. But the truth is, you SEL is to education as the alphabet is to reading. You can't have one without the other. So SEL is, is building the whole child. And these are practices that we use informally in our classroom. You're using SEL when you create classroom agreements. You're using SEL when you set expectations um, and classroom rules. You're using SEL when you use reflection in your classroom, when you practice conflict resolution, when you're modeling um, how you interact with the student after a disagreement or even a celebratory moment. So SEL fits in a lot of different components and there's many ways that you can implement as well. But I'm gonna stop for a moment and see if I answered your question. You sure did. And I love that you help us, you help remind us as educators that a lot of these things we're already doing, it doesn't have to be something that you look at as an add-on. It's something that you may already, or you probably are already doing in your classroom. You just didn't know that it was SEL. <laughs> exactly, so, yeah. exactly. It, it's, and that's the cool piece about it is that it, it's not an add-on. There, there's some folks, some schools I pulled up, there's a wheel, it's called the castle wheel. And when you pull it up, it looks at all of the components of SEL. So you heard those five um, competencies, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, responsible decision-making, but then, so that's the core. Outside, if you can think about rings that will go around, it can start in your classroom. So in the classroom, you have SEL curriculum and direct instruction. This may come by way of a curriculum like Lion's Quest, where our teachers actually have a six unit curriculum and students actually have a six unit workbook or you can integrate SEL into your lessons by subject. So you can integrate SEL in history, math, so on and so forth. The other layer as we keep going out starts with self. We just talked about classroom. 
from the school-wide level, this is where your PBIS or MTSS models come in with your practices and policies. And then the final layer is your um, home and communities, talking about your family, the community partners and everything. So, so we, we start to look at more of a school community than just a school. A school is made up of more than your adults or your teachers and your students, faculty and staff. There's, there's partners, there's vendors, there's family, stakeholders, there's a lot of people that make up the school community. And those people work together to build strong children. Yeah, that's, um, that's such a great way of, of phrasing that. What do you do to help schools and teachers in SEL? That, that, that's a good question. So I, I got started, like, you, like we mentioned earlier, um, as a residential life coordinator for middle or for 11th and 12th grade students. And then after that, I moved on to being a consultant where I was an emotional coach for teachers. And my primary role was, my primary role was providing professional development based on these core social emotional competencies. So really heavy on relationships, communication, redirecting student behavior, and implementing restorative practices. And so that role has parlayed year after year um, into now a Dean of Students role at a K-12 charter school that I had been consulting with for about three years prior. Um, that first year, I was the emotional coach for teachers. The second year, I took over the guidance department um, in the college and career model implementation. Um, the third year was when I really took over the SEL behavior and um, took more on that Dean of Students role. And now I'm, I'm, I'm fully immersed in our K-12 school. We've got about 205, 206 kids, um, 20, about 20 students in each grade, K through 11. And so we have a, um, an SEL model for them, K through 11, and I've also got a, um, a consultancy, seleducators.com is our platform. And that's a place that you can go with, uh, we've got four courses, five courses out now. We've got them bundled so you can purchase a, a year long subscription. And as we add new courses, you'll have access to those courses moving forward, continued education credits, so on and so forth. Awesome, that sounds wonderful. What a great resource. Um, some of the times I hear from some of the women in my Transform Teacher community that they don't know how to make a decision in a split second mm. when it comes to a student who might be um, having some problematic you know, behavior in the classroom, whether it's like virtually or in person. Do you have any advice for the teacher who is just sort of, you know, not, not knowing how to make that split second decision when it comes to student, you know, interpersonal yeah. Yeah. interactions? With um, so, so if we were at the beginning of a school year, it, it goes back to how do you set your foundation and those, those opening expectations. So what are your shared agreements? What are your classroom rules? And how are you building relationships? I've got a, um, there's a resource that I use called Relationship Priming Plan. And so it, it's for the first few weeks of school, but you can use it at the end of every quarter. Or if, if there's someone that listens to this after a Thanksgiving break, you can reintroduce this model. And there's, there's four quadrants um, that I actually got from a former uh, recent podcast guest, Lloyd Knight. First one is set your classroom expectations, review the rules or create them together. 
Second, you're looking at modeling those rules as the teacher, but then also with um, your kids. Third is a show and tell for me as a teacher, me showing and telling with my kids. And then lastly, we play a game. And so why this is so important and we call it a relationship priming plan is because you're priming the relationship. Just bef like before you get to a test, at the end of a unit, you prime students with information and you activate their knowledge before we get there. It's the same with relationships. If I need your attention week nine, I need you to turn your camera on or understand what's going on with you. I have, had, I have to have had built that relationship in weeks one through three of school. Now, what can we do now? If, if, I'm, if I'm not sure how to communicate with this student or I'm not getting through to them, there's two questions that you can ask about your kids and that will give you um, an indicator of what their communication style is. So the, the kids that are more guarded, there's ways you reach them. Kids that are more open, you reach them. And, and, and it's um, it gets a little more complex without the visual. So you have to check out seoeducators.com or the the new year's reboot for e2e to get a, a larger framework um but i think starting with that relationship getting to know your kids and the strategy you can use immediately to do that is a two by ten taking two minutes a day ten days in a row where you're just talking to that student and you're just getting to know them i know over the past few weeks i've had chances to reach out to all my students k through 11 and you hear some of them I wasn't in class because I had to go run errands with my mom. I wasn't in class because I'm watching my baby cousins. I wasn't in class for this reason or that reason. So when we actually get to know who a student is and what's going on with them, maybe the issue that I'm having with them doesn't seem as large as it was before. Mm-hmm, yeah. And having that big picture understanding of what their life is really like is, so crucial i think and that can be really hard um when we're teaching remotely and all that but um mm -hmm. i know that um with our students when we do home visits or, or we'll, we'll just like deliver things to them and and just seeing getting a feel for what life is like for them is really eye-opening what do you what role do you think empathy and compassion play when it comes to sel um, I mean, I think it's 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 a big role, and I'll go into um, another. It's actually another framework called asset-based community development, and so we get into situations where, um, in particularly, you're looking at minoritized groups or um, underrepresented communities, and what often happens is you get people that will come into a community, whether it's a neighborhood or a school. And you get people that want to give you a solution. Hey, here's what you need. Here's what you need. Or even on a mission trip, hey, I'm going to come to this place, this location, and I'm going to fix this for you. But what doesn't happen is we don't ever ask the person what they need. How can we build you up? How can we serve you? How can we support you? But with asset-based community development, you're, you're in the same with SEL. I want to uncover the talents, the tools, the resources, the confidence, the network that already exists within you so that I can build you up from that place. So we're not looking from anything that's necessarily external. 
I'm looking at you, the person first, and that's what I want to build up. Um, so a big part of SEL is enhancing and amplifying student voice. When they hear their voice, when they can tell their story, they become transformed students, just like you have transformed teachers. That's really awesome. I'm, I love that too. I love, I love when my students make their voices heard and um, when we can remember that it's about asking them what they need instead of assuming what they need. I love mm -hmm. that. It's a really mm -hmm. great. Um, so how did you get started with the Dash podcast and why is it called the Dash? <laughs> lovely question. Lovely question. And I think um, there's something I missed on the end of my, my last response, but um, in the building asset-based community development, the, the goal of ABCD is just like it is in SEL. We want to build um, producers instead of consumers. So consumers are folks that just, just take in, but producers are able to build stronger relationships, build stronger things. And that's where the Dash podcast came in because the Dash is your life. When you go to a cemetery and you see a grave of a loved one, you might remember the day they're born. You might remember the day that they passed away. But what's really significant is that small dash between those two days, because that's what you've got to be a part of. And in that dash is the marathon of life between the day that person is born and the day that they passed away is the entire blueprint and legacy that they left for the generations of kids and people that they've impacted that come next. And on the other, on the other end, the dash is the sprint. It's every day. It's, it's every decision that you make, um, making value, making it count, and going to the, the next level of yourself. So the Dash started off as a way to add value consistently for free. And our goal was to have conversations with people about how they turned the pain in their life into the platform for purpose. That was about our first 70 episodes, 72 episodes in the first maybe year and a half. And then the second year and a half, uh, probably the early 20, wow, the end of 2019, actually, early 2019, is when we started focusing on education more. So it's been um, two years that we've gone to a school leadership, SEL, restorative practices approach to the podcast. And so even still, every week we feature educators who are solving problems for school communities. That's so awesome. I, I saw that you interviewed Robin Jackson on your podcast and I'm mm. a fan of her. I think she is oh, really? really cool. Yeah. yeah. She's so smart and um, I love yeah. her books and I just, I'm a big fan of her. I'm so jealous that you got to interview her. That's <laughs> to have her on my podcast. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you could do the same. She she was uh, so full of wisdom and, and mind steps and everything that she has going on, uh, creating builders. It's it's very similar work that you're doing, that I'm doing, that she's doing, trying to build strong people so that we can serve um, our kids. And and I think that's what the um, some of the benefits of podcast are. It's not uh, the most lucrative of hobbies that you can have, at least not to start off. I've gone 175 episodes over three years, and um, you know I'm still doing this for fun. So I'm starting to work more into distribution and how does it work in the funnels and all that kind of stuff. But but the greatest uh, takeaways for me with the podcast have been having an excuse to reach out to folks like yourself or to Robin Jackson um, or to Ron Clark and, and ask them to come be a part of my show and share the the words and wisdom that they have. From, from all their experience. Well, 
the last time I was chatting with Ron Clark on the phone, he was telling, I was joking. <laughs> he, I don't know, you know, I'm not in the same league as Robin Jackson and Ron Clark, but um, that's why I was yeah. so honored to be on your podcast. But I think that you are, and so it's really cool to have you on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel the same way, like getting to talk and collaborate, it just brings you so much energy. And yeah. um, just I just always learn so much from everyone mm -hmm. that I represent. I've learned so much from you today. Um, so where where do people find you? Well, I wanted to. Is there anything else that you were? I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were no, no. That that was it. That was it. And I was just gonna say, um, you know, we're all at our own place and our own pace when it comes to how we serve. And the most important thing is that we're we're serving people. You know, and you have the transformed teacher, and you're you're really helping. You're really helping to serve um, women educators and, and serve that pocket. You know, Ron Clark has his pocketed people down in Atlanta that he's touching. Robin Jackson has her community online, but also on the East Coast, you know, and I'm trying to do my part with adult social emotional learning. So when we can come together collaboratively and with the group think, whether you've got that 50, 60 years of experience or your your brand's thinking new, we're all in it together and we're working to build a better uh, education system for our kids. So um, I, what I would say is that I'm, I'm grateful to be on your show. And it's always fun being on the other side of the coin. Usually I'm asking the questions and I'm listening a lot. So sometimes I get to come on and, and when you ask me questions, I get to say things that I, I, I forgot I knew or didn't know I knew until I get asked the right question. So um, it's, it's been a pleasure for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and the resources and people can find you at the dash podcast and they can also find you at it was seleducation.com yep. okay. seleducators.com okay. and i'm on all social media at trey gamage so everything else is 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 good from then gamage is like damage with a g and two m's so yeah. that's that's where i'm at yes and i am definitely staying in tune with your podcast and I am so excited for you and your growing family. And I am sure that your students feel really lucky to have you in their corner and all the teachers that you're helping. So I'm glad you're out there doing your work. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, my pleasure. Until next time. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow Trey on Instagram or check out his podcast the dash or check out his resources at seleducators.com i'll put all that in the show notes thanks again trey and if nobody else tells you today you rock thank you thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the transformed teacher podcast if you're ready to thrive with less stress and more joy, I've got a lot more resources for you over at my website, thetransformedteacher.com, where you can grab your free digital copy of my latest book, Freed to Teach, Seven Keys to Thrive in an Era of Uncertainty. It was a number one new release in education problem solving, and it's been called a must read for any educator. If you're ready to experience a better way to teach and live, then let the tools in this book help support you. You'll find out exactly how to go from overwhelmed to organized, from frazzled to focused, from burned out to balanced, from stressed to streamlined, from exhausted to energized, from purposeless to passionate, 
from chaotic to calm and confident. So when you infuse your life with the secrets you'll learn in this book, everything changes. You're a teacher for a reason. There's a different and better way. Now's your time to become free to teach. So head on over to the transformedteacher.com to get your free e-copy. If nobody else tells you today, you rock.